Good morning, New Life. Oh, it is such a joy and a privilege to be with you. As uh, Pastor Kate said, my name is Andre Gray, and I serve as the associate pastor of New Life East, which is our new New Life congregation that was started a couple of years ago in Long Island, specifically in Nassau County, down there in South Hempstead. And so if you've got any uh, family, friends, neighbors that live out in Long Island, uh, I want to encourage you to invite them to come be a part of what God is doing uh, through that New Life congregation out there in uh, Nassau County and the ways in which he is moving uh, all throughout. It is indeed a privilege and an honor uh, to uh, be with you, and I'm super excited. Uh, My wife, Christine, and I moved here from uh, Austin, Texas, uh, a few months ago. Uh, some Texans in the house, where you at? Okay. So we moved here from Austin, Texas a few months ago, and uh, we have loved being here. We are planted and rooted currently in the neighborhood of Jackson Heights, Queens. Where my Jackson Heights folks at? There it is. There it is. And so we love being in Jackson Heights, love being a part of that community as God continues to root our family uh, here in the New York City area to do ministry uh, alongside all of you. I am excited to be with y'all today um, because I've got a message that I am really pumped uh, to bring to you. Uh, it's, it's, it's not hard to turn on the TV and every other commercial or so, uh, we are being bombarded by uh, invitations to beach vacations and uh, being given advertisements about uh, beds that we can buy, the new and the latest mattress that, that we can buy, all uh, in an effort to invite us into this uh, reality of or this invitation to rest. And what I love about the passage that we're going to step into today is that Jesus is going to show us what the way of rest truly is. Jesus is going to show us what the way of rest truly is. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, if you will. Uh, take out your Bibles, your devices, or your physical Bibles if you have them. And go with me to Matthew 11. Uh, and we'll be looking at verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, would you breathe on us now? Lord, help us to find the way of rest. Lord, help us in our weariness this morning, in our burden. Help us to come to you, Jesus, so that the rest that we also desperately need may be truly found today. God, we trust you to do that work in our hearts and lives, for it is your good joy and pleasure. We pray all these things in your good, mighty, and match us name and all of God's people said. Amen. amen, amen, amen. According to the U.S. Bureau for Labor and Statistics, in 2021, a record number, 47 million people, turned in their resignation letters and quit their jobs. This is a historic mass exit from the, worst, from the workforce that economists are referring to as the great resignation. You might have heard of it, the great resignation. 
as companies all across the country are scrambling to find employees and throwing up now hiring signs left and right. This unprecedented trend in our society, I believe, is in part a response to a number of things, the weighing realities of the COVID-19 pandemic, the relentless effects of poor working standards and conditions, and the long-standing greed of a capitalistic economy that has refused to pay people a living wage, to name a few. However, I wonder if connected to all of the realities that's leading to this uh, a great phenomenon that's happening in our society with people sort of just leaving their jobs left and right, I wonder if connected to all of that, there is a greater reality at play, something deeper underneath the surface, something that the deputy dean of the University of New South Wales Business School, a lady by the name of Lisa Sargant, calls the great exhaustion the great exhaustion. Exhaustion is a common human experience, something that we are all familiar with, whether from the demands of our jobs, late nights working on graduate studies, or raising children in a chaotic world. We are all familiar with what it feels like to be overwhelmed and tired and bogged down, especially here in New York City, hustle capital of the world. And in the city that never sleeps, supposedly, it is not uncommon to find yourself or a fellow New Yorker drawn into what I like to call the infamous subway nap. You know the nap I'm talking about? <laughs> that moment on the subway train when the seat gets to feeling good to you and that AC is pumping and all of a sudden your eyes decide that they want to take a break. And if the nap is getting really, really good, we love to turn our neighbors into pillows, don't we? <laughs> you ever been there? I know I've been there, and I'm sure you have as well. One of my best friends, Jordan, he's a, a PhD student at the CUNY Grad Center and a philosophy professor, and he was telling me one day he was making his normal commute home from Brooklyn College, where he's a professor, uh, to Jackson Heights, where he lives, and he fell asleep. He got drawn into one of those subway naps, and by the time he woke up, what was supposed to be a stop uh, in Jackson Heights, Queens, turned into him finding himself on the south side of the Boogie Down Bronx. You ever been there before? <laughs> Just completely miss your stop because you're fa fast asleep on that train. We all know what it feels like to be tired, to be exhausted, to be on the verge of burnout, to need a nap even in the middle of a subway ride. This is not uncommon to the human experience. We all face exhaustion on a regular basis. But the great exhaustion that we are all facing, this, this tiredness, this weariness, this restlessness that we are often dealing with and uh, 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 operating in life through is not so much or, or not simply a fatigue in our bodies. It's not just that we are tired and need a good night's sleep, but the, the, the exhaustion that we are all feeling, the exhaustion that we often feel happening inside of us is an absence of peace within our souls that cannot be remedied by a good night's sleep or a two-week vacation. Our souls are restless. We are exhausted. And my hope for us today is that we would come to realize in a fresh way, or perhaps for the first time today, 
that true rest cannot be found where Jesus is not present. My hope for us today is that we would come to realize in a fresh way, or perhaps for the first time today, that true rest cannot be found where Jesus is not present. Because rest, as I define it, is this. Rest is a life with God that enables us to be at peace in all of life's circumstances. Rest is a life with God that enables us to be at peace in all of life's circumstances. And here's why that's important for us to note this morning. is because whether we choose to realize it or not, our souls are severely exhausted. And that exhaustion has far less to do with our striving and finding ourselves in a place of depletion or finding ourselves in a place of empty. And it has much more to do with us choosing to strive from a place of depletion and from a place of empty. Much of the exhaustion that we are experiencing in the world is because we are busy trying to strive towards rest, strive towards trying to find relief from a place of empty to begin with. And so we work and work and work and work and try to work our way to a two-week vacation. We try to find rest in our sexual lives. We try to find rest in our 401ks. We try to find rest in our relationships. And all the while, none of those things can give us the rest that we really need. We are busy trying to find rest for our bodies when what's really needed is rest for our souls. We are busy trying to find rest for our minds, rest for our finances, rest for ourselves, when all the while what God says that we need, what we are being invited into, is rest for our souls. In our passage this morning, Jesus is in front of a great crowd. His ministry is exploding. He's been teaching left and right. He's healing people from blindness and lameness. He is uh, raising people from the dead. He is preaching the good news of the gospel. He is calling the poor to himself. Jesus is on the move, and he takes a moment in Matthew chapter 11. He pauses, and he looks at the crowd. And this crowd is made up of people that are suffering from all sorts of ailments, all sorts of oppression, all sorts of realities. But Jesus chooses in that moment to name a particular issue that they are dealing with. There's all sorts of things that Jesus could have named in that moment, all sorts of things that Jesus could have invited them toward. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Here's the reality. They were severely exhausted. Jesus is looking at folks and inviting them who are tired and weary to come to him. These are people who are exhausted because they have been working hard. Namely, they're exhausted because they have been doing things on their own, in their own strength, in an effort to try and find reprieve, to try and find rest with God, weighed down by the burdens of the reality of their life. You've got the oppression of the Roman Empire on their backs. You've got them uh, trying to live up to the standards of the religious leaders of the day who have added their own sort of laws around the Mosaic laws at the time and are telling the people of God that they've got to do extra on top of what they've already been commanded to do if they are to truly find relationship with God and truly to, to, to be pleasing in the eyes of God. And now they find themselves living in this hamster wheel of life 
striving and striving, working and working, doing and doing, in an effort to try to find God. And all the while, Jesus is saying, God is right in front of you. And the invitation that God is giving to you is not to do more, not to strive more, not to work more, but to come. To find a relationship with God, to find hope in God, to realize that the work that needs to be done cannot be done by us, but it, all, it, it has to be done by God, and it already has been. That in Jesus, we find all that we need for the rest that we so desperately desire. You see, the law was not meant to burden them, but to free them. Free them from the lies of what they could do and free them into the truth of what they need, and that is a life with God. Because the way of rest, family, is not the way of striving. It is not the way of doing. It is not the way of earning. The way of rest is a life with God. The way of rest is receiving. The way of rest is to come into all that God has promised us, all that God has secured for us, all that God has given us. And from that place, we can operate in the kind of peace that God wants for our lives and our souls. And the reason why that is good news for us this morning is because Jesus, back then, he was looking at a crowd that was severely exhausted, and that same Jesus is looking at us today with the same level of compassion and the same words. He is recognizing in each and every one of us that exhaustion abounds, that souls are depleted, that we are emptied, and that we need something greater than ourselves. One of my favorite artists, the Grammy, Award women, uh, the Grammy Award-winning Beyonce, recently came out with an uh, album called Renaissance. And on the album, she has a song that is taking the world by storm. You might have heard of it, the song called Break My Soul. Have you heard it? You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. Right? Love that song. Absolutely amazing song. And in the song, Beyonce is naming a lot of different realities. She, she, she talks about quitting her job. She talks about uh, finding new drive and, and, and how she's being worked hard and uh, uh, working by nine and then off past five and that uh, barely able to find a good night's sleep. And then she talks about finding new motivation and laying a new foundation. And the reason why this song is resonating with so many people is because we recognize that that is where we are, that, that our souls are on the verge of being broken, that, that we are tired beyond belief, that we can barely find a good night's sleep. That, that, our, that our jobs are working us. We are on this hamster wheel of, of working and working and working and working, striving and striving and striving. But at the end of the song, uh, she talks about, about this reality of, of building her own foundation. And that's where the problem lies for you and I oftentimes. Is that when we find ourselves in that place, find ourselves depleted, find ourselves at our wit's end, we are often working to try to figure out a way that we can get ourselves out of this debacle that we find ourselves in. Trying to lay our own foundations, trying to find our own rest, trying to do it on our own. Living from this place of empty while being drained by the realities of our life. When I think about being severely exhausted, when I think about this idea of striving from a place of emptiness, this, 
this, this tendency that we have to try and get after and try to figure things out on our own, I can't help but think about my own story and my own life. In 2020, I had just started a new pastorate. The top of the new year, started, moved, me and my wife moved to Austin, Texas to start pastoring at a new congregation. And within two months of finding ourselves in Austin and uh, starting this new job and starting our new lives, the pandemic hits and shuts everything down. And all of a sudden, I find myself trying to pastor a church who barely knows me and I barely know them. Life is happening left and right. People are losing their jobs. People are losing loved ones to the COVID-19 virus. And I've got no way to pastor the people that are in front of me or for them to get connected to me. In the middle of all of that, our staff team was going through major transition as a lot of different realities were at play. And so now I'm having to figure out how do I lead our congregation through major transition in the life of our church in the middle of this new virtual reality that we found ourselves in. A couple of months later, if that isn't enough, uh, the events of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd take place and our world explodes in racial unrest. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to lead our congregation and help lead our church in the middle of a turbulent reality. And in the middle of trying to do that, emails are hitting my inbox left and right. And in all of my effort to try and lead our congregation, and all of my effort to try and lead through these realities, I'm being accused of being more interested in being identified as a son of slaves and as a child of God. Found myself in an environment that was marked by power marked by racism, marked by manipulation, and it left my soul broken and empty. In the middle of all of that, I'm trying to strive and figure uh, out a way to get from under all of this, working 80-hour weeks, trying to come up with new initiatives and come up with new ways and figure out how we're going to get connected to people. And I found myself at the seven-month mark in the middle of a vacation. Christine and I went down to Florida uh, with some friends to uh, get some reprieve, to get some relaxation, to sort of recalibrate and figure out how are we going to make it through the months that are in front of us. And in the middle of that Airbnb in central Florida, I remember one day waking up and realizing just how depleted I was. And I looked at my wife and I said, I don't want to go back. I want to quit. I have nothing left to give. I had lifted every finger I could lift. I had pulled out every trick from underneath my sleeve that I could pull out. I had planted every idea that I could possibly think of. I had strived myself to death. And I found myself sitting in the middle of that Airbnb, recognizing and realizing that I was broken, that my soul was exhausted and that I had no more energy to give. And you might be here this morning or watching online and realizing that that's the state that you find yourself in. That when you think about where you find yourself in life right now, you recognize that your soul is broken, that you are exhausted, that you've got no, no more fingers left to, live, to, to, to lift, you've got no more tricks underneath your sleeve, that you've done all that you can do in your own strength and that there's got to be a better way. And the good news that we find in our passage this morning is that there is. That when we find ourselves in that place, 
that when we find ourselves in that level of exhaustion, God doesn't intend to leave us there, but he has been there all the while extending a very simple invitation. And it's found in these two words, in these three words that Jesus says to the crowd, come to me. Come to me. That God is looking at you and I this morning and he is simply saying to us, come to me. That was the offer of Jesus. Jesus offered rest to the depleted. That that when Jesus was looking at the realities that they were facing, when he was looking at the state of their soul, Jesus was saying, come find rest in me. Come and take my yoke. Come and take my burden for it is light. It is easy. And let me take yours. In 2015, I went on a camping trip uh, with a friend of mine, a mountain hiking trip. I had never been on one of those before. And we get in the middle of Denver, Colorado, and we're doing this mountain hiking trip, and we started to hike this mountain called Long's Peak. And I thought it was a beginner's mountain, but we come to find out that it was more of an intermediate to an expert kind of mountain. So here are these two amateurs from Florida trying to hike this mountain in Denver, Colorado, and trying to make our way to the top. Long story short, we eventually get there, and the next morning we're making our way down the mountain. We had done our camping, we get up the next day, we get our our packs, and we start making our way down. And on the way down the mountain, my friend, he looks at me and he says, man, I'm feeling a little woozy. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling my best self, and, and, he, and, and he started to feel a little faintish and, and couldn't quite take one step after the other. And I looked at him, and he said, man, I don't think I can make it anymore. I don't think I can go any further. He says, man, can you call a, a helicopter rescue to get us out of here? And I said, helicopter rescue? I don't have no service on my phone. How are we going to call a helicopter? And so he says, well, I'm just going to sit here. I can't go any further. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to make my way down the rest of the mountain and try to find some help. And so I make my way down that middle area of the mountain where folks would normally congregate. And I see a bunch of strangers and I said, hey, I've got a friend who's halfway up this thing and and he's depleted. He's feeling lightheaded. He doesn't know what to do, where to go, and and he can't take any more steps. And so folks are like, oh, yeah, I've got electrolytes and I've got uh, tangerines and I've got uh, 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 energy bar, all the stuff that we didn't have. Because I decided when we went to get supplies before we went up this mountain that we would take hot dogs and uh, ramen noodles and Rice Krispie treats and... (laughs) You could tell I was an amateur, right? And so they say, yeah, we'll, we'll go up the mountain. We'll, we'll help him. We'll get him some of this stuff. Hopefully, we'll help replenish him. And so about a, an hour or so later, my friend starts making his way down, and he's a little bit more upbeat, and he's got a little bit more energy about him, and some folks have been able to help get him some electrolytes. And so we're now having to figure out how are we going to get the rest of this journey. If, if, if that's the state of his body, if he's gotten that depleted, how, how, how do we continue on this journey? Where, where do we go next? And what had happened was I had taken off my pack. While he was up there and folks were helping him out, I had been able to get my pack off of my back and I'd given it to someone else and they uh, 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 said that they would take it down the rest of the way and leave it at the ranger station. And so I was backpack free. I had no weight on my back. And so my friend came down, I said, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Give me your backpack. 
Give me your pack. I'll put it on me. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that the weight that was on your back, you'll be free from that. And we'll make the rest of the journey down the mountain that way. And here's what Jesus is saying to you and I this morning, friends. That the, the burden and the backpack of anxiety and of striving and of doing, Jesus is saying, take it off. Take off the backpack. Give it to me. Let go of the yoke. Give it to me. Let go of the burden. Give it to me and take mine on. And you know what that burden is? The burden of Jesus is freedom because in Christ, death, hell, and the grave have been conquered. And so the burden that Jesus is giving us is freedom in him, freedom from weight, freedom from anxiety, freedom from burden, freedom from striving. He's saying, come to me. Jesus is saying, come to me and give me your weight. Give me, I can handle it. And let's continue the journey together with no weight on your shoulder. In the freedom that I have secured for you. In the weightlessness that I have secured from you. Jesus is saying, come to me. Jesus offered rest to the depleted. And family of God, that invitation is for us today. God's invitation to rest is available to us. That that we do not have to live life striving and trying to get to God. God is already with us. God is already with you. And he is inviting you. He He is pleading with you to come to him and find the rest that you deeply need in a life with him, in relationship with him. What is the way of rest? The way of rest is simply this, a life with God. And a life with God enables us to have peace that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what seasons we find ourselves in, no matter where we might find ourselves, peace abounds. Why? Because God is with us. It's in that place that we find rest. It's in that place that we find freedom. It's in that place that we are relieved from the burdens of life, external and those that plague us in our inner lives as well. So the question before us is, well, how do I do that? How do I come to God? How do I accept this invitation from Jesus? What does it mean to come to him? What does it mean to lay down my yoke? What does it mean to take off my pack? What does it mean to give it to Jesus and to receive the light and easy yoke that he offers me, to receive the freedom that he offers me? What does that look like? What does that mean? I've got four movements, four uh, simple things that I want to put in front of you, things that we, most of us are probably familiar with, but I don't think that we can hear them enough. Ways in which that we can begin to cultivate this life with God and in that place find the rest that we so desperately need. The first of those is Sabbath, cultivating a life of Sabbath. Sabbath is simply this, it's a 24-hour period of rest where we are not being rewarded for the work that we've done, but we are being gifted a a, a 24-hour period to rest in God, not because of the work we have done, but because of the gift that is ours in him. Here's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is a reminder that we don't have to produce anything for God to love us. Sabbath is a reminder that we don't have to produce anything for God to love us. In those 24 hours, you are not effective. In those 24 hours, you are producing nothing. In those 24 hours, you are contributing to nothing. And yet still, yet still, the truth remains for your lives. And what is that truth? God loves you. 
He doesn't love you because of what you can do. He doesn't love you because of the gifts you have. He doesn't love you because of how good of a worker you are. He doesn't love you because how good, uh, how good of, a, of a Christian you are. God loves you because you're his. Because you're you. Because he has created you in his image. And that 24 hours, week in and week out, cultivating a life of Sabbath helps us to cultivate in ourselves, to, to, to bask in the reminder of the good news that God loves me even when I'm not doing anything. God loves me. And so cultivating a life of Sabbath is critical to the Christian life. Because it helps us to remember that we have to constantly lean into our limits. We have to constantly lean into the fact that we are not enough and we don't have to be because God already is. But not only do we need to cultivate a life of Sabbath, it's also important to think about cultivating a life of contemplative prayer. What does it mean to build a life with God? I think it means contemplative prayer. And that simply means that we are inviting ourselves into silence with God, inviting ourselves into slowing down with God, inviting ourselves into, into communicating with God the deepest angst of our hearts and souls. Contemplative prayer is an opportunity for us at any moment of the day, whether for a minute, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, it's an opportunity for us to slow down, take stock of where we are, take stock of the fact that God is with us, and to simply breathe in the love of God for us. That is what contemplative prayer is. And if we don't cultivate a life that is regularly stepping into that place, stepping out of the chaos, stepping out of the, uh, 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 out of the, the, the hamster wheel, and stepping into the, the loving embrace and arm of God and receiving his love for us through contemplative prayer, that is an important reality that we have to step into day in and day out. Thirdly, I would put before us that to cultivate a life with God means that we are cultivating a life of unhurried reading of Scripture. Unhurried reading of Scripture. This is an opportunity for us to feed our inner lives, for us to take stock of and allow the Scriptures of God to examine us to tell us the places where, where God is calling us into a greater understanding of his love and a greater way for us to be able to continue to receive the love of God that is for us. This, this practice of reading through the scriptures in an unhurried way is vital to what it means to cultivate a life with God. And in that place, we find rest. And lastly, I would say, what does it mean to cultivate a life with God? It means cultivating a life of regular rhythms of soul care. Regular rhythms of soul care. And there are a number of things that can fit in this category, but I'll give you three. One of those, I would say, is EHD, our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. This opportunity twice a year where we get to come together for eight weeks and take real careful stock of the emotional health of our lives and the ways in which that connects to the spiritual vi vitality of our lives, and the ways in which God is calling us into a greater sense of emotional health so that we can continue to grow in our spiritual maturity. That engaging in this course, engaging in these, in these sort of environments, help us to take intentional stock of where we are and where it is that God wants to take us. Practices like therapy. I never forget coming out of the season that I described earlier, I found myself in desperate need of help, in desperate need of, 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 of 
doing something outside of myself, and therapy was one of the places that was critical to my healing in that season of life. But I don't lend that, I don't lend that practice uh, 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 whimsically. I recognize that therapy is not accessible to all, that there are barriers to that kind of reality, economic and otherwise. So I realize that, that that may not be a reality for all of us, a space that we can cultivate for all of us. And that's why I think it's important for us to constantly cultivate the community of God in spaces like small groups, where, where we get to be known by others and allow others uh, and, and, and know others as well. A space where we can submit ourselves to the counsel of community, allow the family of God to speak truth into us when we don't have the wherewithal to speak truth to ourselves to remind us of the good news of the gospel when we're unable to preach the good news of the gospel to ourselves. You cannot live the Christian life separate and apart from the community of God. It is critical to cultivating a life with God. So what does it look like to cultivate community in spaces like small groups? A life with God, church family, is the way of rest. And that life with God is not going to come out of thin air. We have got to cultivate it. We have got to take the time and take the effort to put practices around our lives that constantly give us the opportunity to accept the invitation that Jesus is extending to us each and every day. The great invitation to come to him. What does it mean to Sabbath? It doesn't mean you're striving or you're trying to accomplish a Christian checklist so you can say, I'm Sabbathing, therefore I'm obeying the commands of God and therefore I'm a good Christian. That is not the, 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 the purpose of Sabbath. Sabbath is a way for you to say, Jesus, I accept your invitation. I'm coming to you. What is contemplative prayer? It is not for you to check that checklist and say, I pray every day, I'm a good Christian, therefore God loves me. That is not how God is thinking about prayer. God invites us into contemplative prayer as an opportunity for us to say, yes, Jesus, I accept your invitation, I am coming to you. Unhurried reading of scripture, an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I accept your invitation, I am coming to you. Cultivating these practices around our lives or is an opportunity for us to practically say yes, to the invitation of Jesus to come to him. And it is in him that he says rest will be found. That the gift of rest is given. The gift that we so desperately need for our souls. When I think about the way of rest that is marked by a life with God, I often think about one of the elders of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama a woman that was affectionately known as Mother Pullard. At 72 years old, Mother Pullard was one of the participants in the 1955-1956 Montgomery bus boycotts that was led by her pastor, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And in the middle of this bus boycott that Dr. King was leading in that community, one day he comes up to Elder Pullard and he says, Mother Pullard, uh, do you not need rest? Should we have you stop walking to the supermarket and to home and to church and back home and to your place of employment and back home and to a friend's house and back home? Isn't that not, isn't that not taking a, a toll on you? Do, do we need to find another way uh, for you to uh, 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 participate in this reality? Dr. King is inviting her into this and Dr. King recounts in his writings that after several weeks of her walking to and fro her destinations and him asking her whether or not she was tired, 
Dr. King records that Mother Pullard's response to him was simply this. Pastor, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. And what I would submit to you today, family of God, is that the realities of life are not ones to be escaped, that suffering will come our way. But if we cultivate a life with God, one like Mother Pullard cultivated, that we can find ourselves in the hardest of life circumstances, but our testimony will always remain the same. That when we cultivate a life with God and in that place recognize that rest is for us, here's what that means. Our heads may hurt, our arms may be weak, our feet may be tired, but the testimony of the people of God who cultivate a life with God and find the way of rest in God will always be that my soul is rested. My feet is tired, but my soul is rested. Let's pray. And so God, would you make that our testimony today? Spirit of the living God, would you help us in this invitation to cultivate life with you, to center our lives around your presence, and to position ourselves to always be accepting the invitation of Jesus to come. Lord, we are tempted to go in a lot of different directions to find rest. To go to ourselves, to go to external resources. And Father, what we come to realize time and time again is that those things fail us. We fail ourselves. The vacations fail us, the relationships fail us. Because the rest we need is in our souls. And Father, only you have the power to give us that. And so would you help us to receive today, Lord? Help us to receive the rest that you are regularly inviting us into. Help us to lay down the burdens of anxiety and despair and worry that so plague us. Help us to pick up your yoke, Jesus. The yoke of freedom that is found in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And so, Father, we trust you to do that in us. We know that it is your good pleasure and work, and we pray all these things in your good, mighty, and matchless name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let's invite you to stand.
of appreciation for Pastor Andre for just this wonderful word. If you're anything like me, this message of the true rest that we can find in Christ is always timely and always relevant. I don't do rest well. Um, and when I examine my, my heart and the way that I live, I, I'm always just trying to be productive, trying to get things done. And at the end of the day, for me, it's just to prove my own self-worth. When God already tells us that he loves us, not because we do for him, but because we are his children. There's some of us that, where work is just a constant part of our lives. Even when we're on vacation, we're checking our phones, we're responding to emails, we are responding to issues that arise at work, and that's the expectation that our bosses have of us, our workplaces, and that's the expectation that we have of ourselves. For others of us, it's hard to find true rest or any kind of practical rest because we literally are working all the time just to put food on the table. And so it's a hard reality to kind of plug into the rest that God has for us. And then there are others of us who have found rest to be easier. Um, in recent years, it seems like rest has become a culturally trendy thing, right? Self, hashtag self-care, right? 
And for those of us that the invitation there is that, how are we inviting God into those places of rest? And so wherever you might be in this area of rest, the invitation this morning is, what is God calling us to in terms of rest and true rest in Him? Pastor Andre shared just four of the many ways that we find rest in God and truly these are practices that we need to cultivate. And so how is God coming to us? What is He saying to you this morning? What area from these four areas or maybe another area that really is standing out to you? And I just love what he said that this is not a checklist. We're not trying to be good Christians here, but this is just an invitation to rest. It's a gift. And so as you think about that, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come forward as we do every week. For those of you who might be hearing from God this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you saying something to you and you want to pray with someone about that. So we want to invite you to come forward. For some of you, maybe you're just going through a lot right now. Maybe there's something that is overwhelming that's happening in your life and you don't even have the words to pray. And so we have prayer team members waiting to pray with you, to pray for you, to intercede on behalf for you. And so we want to invite you to come forward. There's some of you who are in this room who may be watching online and you're hearing about this true rest in Christ and you don't know who Christ is. You've never taken that next step. You've never made a decision to receive Christ. And if God is speaking to you, something is stirring in your heart this morning, we wanna invite you to say yes to Jesus. He is our true rest. And so if something is happening inside of you, if you have questions, we wanna invite you to text yes to Jesus to 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors will reach out to you. Or if you're in this room, please come up on the prayer line. And we'd love to just talk with you, answer any questions that you might have and help you take that next step in your spiritual journey. As we close, I just wanna remind those of you online, um, we will not be having our sermon discussion today after service, but we'll resume that next week. And as we always do, I wanna invite you to just open up your hands as we close in prayer. Let's go before God together. Father, we long for this true rest that you offer to us. Speak to us deeply, widely, and as we go throughout the rest of this week, maybe be reminded that you are our true rest. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you everlasting peace and true rest. May you walk out of this gathering and online in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to Jesus and his kingdom and modeling what rest really looks like. I bless you all in the beautiful, the strong and resurrected name of Jesus, amen. Amen, have a great week everyone.